Out of respect for the word of God, would you stand as I read today's scripture? Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through chapter 3, verse 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked, and his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to him, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is it lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Will you thank Amy and Jason and our worship team for leading us in worship this morning? You still have my debit card. I'm just dealing with a little family business real quick. Okay. I suddenly remembered and I was like, where is it? Okay. All right. Keep it on you. All right. So uh, thank you for coming this morning. My name is, if we've not met, my name is Nathan. I uh, get to be the pastor here at West Bowles. And those of you joining us online, thank you as well for joining us. We are going through the book of Mark, but I want to jump outside of Mark just for a moment here. Um, one day, <clears throat> Jesus, he's, he's going through Galilee, this region Galilee. And as he's teaching, he says this thing that really has become... It's like sat in our hall of fame of Bible verses um, for many of us. He, he's teaching and he says, hey, those of you who are weary and burdened, come to me. And he says, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. And for many, that might have actually brought up a reminder of this, this thing that God implemented centuries upon centuries upon centuries before, the Sabbath. And that's a word that you may, even if you didn't grow up in church, you may have heard, a Sabbath day. A Sabbath day, in other words, the purpose of which is for us to rest. Now, here's here's the thing about a Sabbath day. It is completely possible, wouldn't you agree, to designate a day to say, hey, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest on this day every single week, and this is my, my day of rest. And so you organize your calendar around this Sabbath day. But isn't it true you could observe that over and over and over and still live on fumes, couldn't you? You could still be exhausted. You could parent from that place. 
You could make huge life decisions from that place. You could interact with people from that place. I mean, we, we really can observe a, a Sabbath and, and not be resting one bit. It's kind of like this article. Are you familiar with the newspaper The Onion? Okay, The Onion writes these satirical news stories. But I read this one and I thought, this could be real. This could absolutely be real. The headline is, man on cusp of having fun suddenly remembers every single one of his responsibilities. Okay. Marshall Platt, age 34, came tantalizingly close to kicking back and having a good time while attending a friend's barbecue last night before remembering each and every one of his professional obligations and personal backyard sources confirmed. While he chatted with friends over a relaxed outdoor meal, Platt was reportedly seconds away from letting go and enjoying himself when he was suddenly crushed by the full weight of work emails that still needed to be dealt with and an upcoming wedding he had yet to buy airfare for because of an unresolved issue with his Southwest Rapid Rewards account. He reportedly sunk into a distracted haze after coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, fully intended to go through the motions of talking with friends and appearing to have a good time, all while he mentally shopped for a birthday present for his mother. Everything's fine, said the tense, mentally absent man, whose girlfriend asked him what was wrong after his near-giddy buzz vanished, and he remembered that he hadn't called his aunt yet to check up on her after surgery. He said, I'm having fun. According to sources, Platt tried to put his responsibility-laden thoughts out of his mind and loosen up, but suddenly remembered a magazine subscription that needed to be renewed by Friday. That could be a real story, couldn't it? I mean, you hear that, and it's ridiculous, and yet all you have to do is think about your life and think, okay, that resonates because that happens constantly, doesn't it? See, there's this unfortunate truth that we can sabotage the Sabbath, can't we? We can actually sabotage the thing that God gave us to rest, that he commands us to do, that he himself did. When he stepped back from all of creation, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good, and then he rested. And yet, we'll find ways to sabotage it, because that's what sin has done to us. This is what sin has done, and, and, and we tend to think of sin as like something I either consciously do or don't do. Sin goes deeper than that. I mean, it has tainted every single fiber of our bodies. And, and our relationship with the Sabbath is, is, I believe, one of the places that it's just absolutely the most clear. And so that brings us, actually, to today's passage that Amy read just a little bit ago. We're gonna, if, you, if you're on our email list, you saw yesterday, we're going to leapfrog Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. I'm gonna, that's going to be addressed in this next week's midweek email. Uh, if you're not on our midweek email list, um, it's just notes from Nathan because we can't think of anything more creative to, uh, to call it, okay? But it goes out on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. If you want to sign up for that, you can go to the website address up here. There's a box you can just click to opt into that. We will spam you. We will get your bank account information. Everybody's going to be so thrilled over this. No, it's, uh, it's very underwhelming in terms of volume of email. So click on that. You'll get the email. It comes Tuesday or Wednesday every single week. So we'll go through Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22 in that this coming week. But this week, as we talk about Sabbath, the reason I, I bring all this up is because this passage really gets at a group that we've been talking through Mark, and we've been talking about, you know, there's Jesus, and we saw the Father and the Holy Spirit at the beginning. Satan showed up in Mark chapter 1. 
he starts to gather some disciples. And we've talked about this group that is continuously there, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd. They're so captivated by what Jesus is doing that this crowd just keeps growing. But there's another group that is starting to show up that we haven't talked about yet. And that group is the Pharisees. The Pharisees. These are, these are the know-it-alls. These are the guys who knew Jewish scripture and they would hold people to it. And they would hold it over people. And they would, they would actually hammer people with it. And, and there are various groups that would do this kind of thing. But the one thing that probably characterizes the Pharisees more than anything else is a verse toward the end of what Amy read to us a little bit ago. Chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Jesus, and it's Sabbath, and he's got the man with the withered hand near him. It says, he looked around at them, the Pharisees, in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And we'll get to what he did later on. But just think about that for a minute. Jesus was deeply distressed by their stubborn hearts. I mean, of all the things that you and I don't want said about us at the end of this life, it's that we deeply distressed the heart of Jesus. In fact, maybe that's a good new church mission statement over the doors next week. You'll say, it'll just say, we're trying hard not to deeply distress the heart of Jesus. But that's exactly what this group did. And everywhere he went, seemingly, these guys would show up. And so as you look through this account this morning, it's really interesting because this is a group that when you really step back and look at what he's doing and their interaction, it's a group that sabotaged the Sabbath for everybody. And as I read what they did, I I can't help but thinking, I've got to look in the mirror Because there are just some things in here. I counted five just going through it a couple times. And I'm sure there are more. But there were five that jumped out to me. Like five ways that we tend to sabotage the Sabbath. And the end result is where these guys ended up. Hardened hearts that deeply distressed the heart of Jesus. And so I want to walk through. I want to walk through because I don't know about you. This was deeply convicting for me. Because I just thought, oh my goodness, Lord, please soften my heart. Nobody in here wants to. Nobody woke up this morning and said, let's distress the heart of Jesus today. And yet when he looks upon our hearts and he sees obstinance and he sees stubbornness and he sees a hard heart, that's exactly what happens. And so walk through this with me and let's just explore Some of the things. This is where the word really begins to illuminate to us about ourselves. So starting back in verse chapter 2, verse 23, we see one of the first things that comes up that begins to reveal the hard heart in these Pharisees and in any human heart. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Verse 24, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, this is a question that just comes up over and over and over in Mark chapter 2. You know, Jesus is at a house and he's teaching. And the Pharisees are watching what he's doing. And all they can think is, why, why, does, he, why does he say this stuff about himself? Why does he think he's such an authority? And, and they won't go talk to Jesus, but they'll wonder it inside. Moves on. He calls Levi, the tax collector, and then he's at Levi's house, and he's having dinner, and the Pharisees, suddenly they start looking around, and they start asking people, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
It keeps going, okay? It gets to, he's, he's talking about fasting. And, and, and then he gets into all this. And over and over and over, the Pharisees, it's just this bitter, critical spirit. They stand back at arm's length and they go, why does he do that? Now, does that question sound familiar? I mean, have you looked around and been like, why are they like that? Why does that group, why does that person, why do people do that? See, it's really, really easy for us from arm's length to, to form a hard heart, isn't it? When we won't sit down. Maybe the perfect piece of uh, evidence this last couple years was, and I'm not going to ask for a raise, uh, show of hands, okay? But just think about your stance on masks and vaccines. I know, why am I doing this? We're trying to talk about rest and everybody's blood pressure is just like skyrocketing right now. But let me be, let me just ask you honestly. How many conversations did you have with somebody who saw the opposite? Just being honest. And if you said you did, you're lying right now in church. I'm just saying, okay? No, it's just so easy for us to form an opinion without sitting down and and looking somebody face-to-face. Because you know what happens when you get face-to-face? Your heart softens. You begin to grow closer to them. And it's a lot easier to hold a stubborn opinion that feels really good if we can just stay arm's length. See, one of the first signs in them and in us that we could be sabotaging that Sabbath rest of God that he's given us, regardless of the day that it's on, is that we talk about others without talking to them. Well, it keeps going. And another thing comes up here. Verse 25. He answered... Have you never read? I mean, this would have been so insulting. Think about it. It's the Pharisees. They know what, what the ancient scriptures said. They knew their Old Testament. Have you never read what David, what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? And you want to say, yeah, it's the Pharisees, Jesus. And he says, I, I like to think he says, I know I'm about to make a point here. In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread. Now, when you see the consecrated bread, what that means is this is bread only for the priests. And David just waltzes in and he eats it. Now, if you were to look at the big picture of scripture, what you'd see David doing here is he's in advance. He's showing what really the priesthood of believers is. And by taking this bread, he's saying that, look, the priesthood of the believers is that the body of Christ is a priesthood to the world. He ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And this raises the question. It's just in the very beginning part of Jesus' question. Have you never read? And the answer would be, well, of course they've read it. So what is Jesus getting at? He's saying it's not just have you read it, but how have you read it? I mean, isn't isn't it true we can use scripture to our own ends? I mean, how many times have we said, ooh, I got to get somebody on something, and so let me just go find the verse that, that backs that up. And, and we can take Scripture completely out of context. But yet, as he looked at the Pharisees, and as you look through the Bible over and over and over, it, it's not just knowledge of Scripture. It's that soft heart combined with the Word of God and the work of the Spirit of God that begins to plant the Word in hearts in a way that grows fruit the kind of fruit God wants to see us produce. And so Jesus said, not really, have you read? Yes, that's what he he said there. 
But what he's getting at is, how, how are you interpreting this? How are you reading it? I like to think of it as the tree in our front yard. You know, the, the tree and I have a relationship, and, and it's basically when I need the tree. Okay, so if it's 90 degrees outside, and, and there, it's full of leaves, and it provides shade, guess what? My relationship with the tree is great, because it provides shade, and it provides comfort. And yet, as I sit there, and I think about the squirrels, and the birds, and the different animals that use that tree, that crawl around that tree, that live in that tree, they've got a different relationship with it, don't they? And I believe that's what Jesus wants for us. When he's talking to the Pharisees and when he looks at you and me, he says, look, don't just go to the word for shade. Yes, it provides that, but it provides so much more. Live in it, crawl around in it, exist in it. Let it form your worldview. And he's unearthing another thing in the human heart that can get so hardened to, to him and to those around us. It's not just talking about other people without talking to them. He's saying, look, use the scripture for what God intended it for, for his ends, not just your own. Well, it continues. Verse 27. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And you've heard this phrase, right? We tend to put the creation above the creator and the provision above the provider, don't we? You know, we get so latched on to the form of something he's given us and we can completely miss what its function is. <clears throat> so the son of man, he continues, so the son of man in verse 28 is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's Lord even of the Sabbath. And there's this really theological issue that Mark is driving home over and over and over here. We've seen it throughout the first few chapters. And it's the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ. He has this authority over the enemy's temptation. He has authority over impure spirits. He has authority over sicknesses. Now we're getting to this thing that God established that man and hum humans misunderstood. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 you've, you've misunderstood it. Let me straighten it out for you. And this was just so offensive to them. You want to know why? Because they had an authority problem. Do you want to know the problem you and I have and the temptation you and I face on a constant basis? We have an authority problem. I mean, we, we love to rebel, don't we? And, and, and some of you, some are more inclined to it than others. Some of you just, you're just waiting for somebody to tell you anything. You drive by the speed limit sign. You're like, speed limit 40? Watch this, okay? I can double it, you know, or something like that. And, and so we all have ways of rebelling against authority. And he's looking at the Pharisees. And he says, your human nature is to rebel against authority. You've decided to close your grip around the Sabbath and hold on to what you say it is. See, anybody you encounter that has an authority problem, it's not that they just rebel against all authority. It's that somewhere in their heart, they've already given their authority to something or someone else. It might be themselves. It might be an idol. It might be a thing in their lives. And that is what Mark is highlighting here. He's saying, look, you are going to have to make at the base level a decision about who is going to be my authority in life. 
And as long as it's you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to put form over function. I mean, how many of you, just by show of hands, you have a Sabbath day or a designated day that you try to rest each week? Okay, so we got, we got a few. And, and some of you are like, after these last two years, no, like I feel like I got I to gotta get to doing some things. But isn't it possible, those of you who do that, you can go through that entire day? And we look at the removal of work, don't we? But we forget what God added into it. See, we see it as a subtraction of work, and we forget that God added in rest, and he added in joy, and he added in life. See, we can, we can put the form over the function. As long as on Saturday I don't do anything, I'm good. As long as I just check the box on attending church, I'm good. As long as I pick up my Bible once in a while, I'm good. And Jesus would say, look, there's just so much more. There is so much more than that life. But we, we put form over function. Well, as he continues, he unearths a couple more, a couple more things that can harden the heart. <clears throat> verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and other translations say, on another Sabbath. So we're looking at at least a week later. On another Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now, this is so interesting to me, that of all the things that it would be, it would be a shriveled hand. Because I want you to just stop and think about what the human hand can do. I mean, isn't it with a human hand that we we actually perform and carry out work? And it's with a human hand that we actually greet one another? You know, a wave or a handshake or a fist bump or... Actually, you know what I realized? I'm getting to this age, and uh, this happened with Kurt Love and I. We were at uh, Upward Sports Basketball a couple weeks ago, and um, we went in for the... Kurt went in for the fist bump, I went in for the handshake, and then we switched. And, and suddenly I went, oh my goodness, this is happening now. When I was younger, there was no question. I just, I just knew. Has anybody had this happen? Okay, thank you. Goodness. I, I was like, I, wow, it's just me and you, Kurt. Okay. But with the hand, we work. With the hand, we greet one another. With the hand, we give to one another. And so here's a man with a shriveled hand. Don't miss the implication of this. This is a man whose purpose has been tarnished. And he's trying to figure out, uh, what do I do do with that? How do I operate in society? How do I I move forward? There's a man with a shriveled hand there. Verse 2, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Did you catch what happened there? Here's a man who is trying to figure out how to function, and what are they doing? They were looking for a reason to accuse. You been there? You been there where there's just tremendous need right in front of you, and yet all you can think about is what you want? I mean, we all go there. We all go there. And really, as they were looking at Jesus, what they were really starting to move toward is their picture of justice, what they thought justice should look like. And they completely overlooked what, they, what God wanted to do, God himself wanted to do for the man with the shriveled hand right in front of him. And that's the fourth thing. That's the fourth thing I counted, is that oftentimes the sign of a hardened heart is just looking around, looking for somebody to accuse for something. Finally, 
<clears throat> it progresses. And in verse, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 3, it says this. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Verse 4, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. They remained silent. Now think about this for a minute. When did God rest? He rested on the heels of creating. But what did he create? He created life. He created life. And so here we are on a Sabbath. There's a man with a shriveled hand. And he's looking at the Pharisees. And he's saying, which is lawful? Because they knew you don't take life on the Sabbath of any kind. You don't take life. Which is lawful? And I imagine that some of them maybe would have thought back to the account of creation. That God created and he saw that it was good. And then he created and he saw it was good. And then he created again and he saw that it was good. And then he created, he created man in his own image. And you know what he said about it? It was very good. And so now here's Jesus standing next to a human life. And he's looking at the Pharisees. And he's saying, so what do we do here? What do we do? Do we give life or do we take life? And in this case, doing nothing was to perpetuate the brokenness. But for him to heal on the Sabbath, you know what he was doing? He was restoring, we talked about this last week, that imago day created in the image of God. See, the other sign that our hearts can, are, are hardening is that when we overlook opportunities to do good. There's talking about others without talking to them, using scripture to our own ends. There's, um, I lost it. <laughs> I had it. Confusing form with function, looking to accuse other people and overlooking opportunities to do good. And you know what all of those are signs of? It's sabotaging the Sabbath. See, here, here's what we got to know, is that a day of rest isn't any good without a heart at rest. Each of those five things, and I'm sure there are more, tons more, you know what those are signs of? A heart not at rest. You want to know what a heart at rest does? It walks along with Jesus wherever he goes, maybe through a, a field. And if it's hungry, it's been freed enough to be able to pick heads of grain like the disciples were doing. That is a heart that is engaged in Sabbath rest the way God intended it. And as people looked at them, and as they pointed things out, and as they talked about them, as they held the law over their head, you know what you had, really? Hearts not at rest. And the end result of that, we see in the next couple of verses, at the end of this morning's passage. Verse 5, he looked around at them in anger, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. See, do, do we understand that when Jesus encounters a hardened heart, how much he grieves? Because he knows it all starts there. 
Everything we're seeing in, in Ukraine right now, do you want to know the result of that or what the, what, sorry, the beginning of that was? A hardened heart. Jesus knows it all starts there. And so that when we become sensitive to the needs of other people, we become sensitive to God's commands and God's love. You know what that does? It begins to tenderize the heart. But as long as we keep that stuff at arm's length, the heart gets hard. And ultimately, ultimately it leads to the decision that the Pharisees made next. Verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with, of all people, this is shocking, the Herodians. Now, just to give you an idea, the Herodians sat on the exact opposite end of the spectrum as the Pharisees. The Herodians basically acquiesced to whatever, whatever they needed to do to gain favor with the ruling authorities. And so the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. In other words, they compromised. They compromised. And you know what you will do and I will do if we allow our heart to continue to stay hard? We'll compromise. We will absolutely compromise. A day of rest is not any good without a heart of, at rest. And so as I think about these five things that we just, that we just spotted in the passage this morning, here's, here's, I guess, my question for us. What do you need to do to begin to find rest? Is, is, it that, is it possible that maybe you need to go find that person that you've, you've been looking at them, you've been talking about them, and you think, why do they, why do they, why do they? You know what happens when you go have that conversation? Your heart can rest. I mean, if you've ever had tension with somebody and you've gone and had a conversation with them, have you noticed the soul just exhales? It's like, oh, okay, we're good now. The relationship is restored. The scriptures... You know, it, it, sure, it's one thing to get your verse of the day. But what if we sat and just sat with it? And not read a lot just to get through volume, but we read until he grabbed us with a verse. You might get one verse in, and that might be where you're at for a week or a month, maybe a year, because he just has you there. You know what happens? The heart rests. <clears throat> when it gets to the, the opportunities to do good right in front of us. You talk to anybody that, that is especially passionate about missions, and you know what you discover as you talk to them? I mean, you can hear it and you go, man, that sounds like a lot of work. And you know what you'll notice about them? Their soul is so refreshed because they've been at rest. Maybe for you it's, it's, it's stopping and, and realizing, maybe I've been holding the form over the function. Maybe it's not just that I designate Saturday to rest, but it's what I do with my Saturday. Because you can have a Saturday off and you can be running from sunup to sundown. And you, get, you could call it your official day of rest, but there's no rest, is there? And then maybe it's just an attitude that wants to accuse people. That we're always looking for the worst in people, right? When somebody doesn't have a chance to explain to us, where do we go? We often go to the worst possible place. I'll close with this. There was, there's one day in American history. I mean, you think about what the last couple of years have been, and you think, wow, we've had a lot of rest. And yet society still kept moving. 
I mean, it was, it was a crawl at times. But, you know, throughout coronavirus, the financial markets were still going. People were still going to work. People were still doing things. But there's one day that I remember, it's actually happened in our lifetimes for many of us, that at least our nation, we stopped when two planes hit the World Trade Centers. Do you remember where you were that day? Do you remember what you did that day? There was a collective sense of we're staring at this tragedy. And yet we all went home. We all went home. And I I don't know if you remember, but the churches, the churches that night were packed. And you saw tears and you saw, you know what you really saw was reconciliation. Because we suddenly came face to face with the value of human life outside of the way we tend to look at it every single day. We began to understand the dignity and the fragility and the value of each and every single human life. And yet it took a tragedy. See, I believe this is why Jesus spoke so harshly to the Pharisees. It wasn't that he hated them. It was that the only thing that was going to puncture the the thick armor that was their pride is he had to deal with them directly and harshly. And oftentimes, it's something that pains us, that causes us to stop and go, oh my goodness, I got to stop. I got to come back to what's front and center. The only other day I can think of was a couple thousand years ago when a tragedy took place. Jesus Christ, your Savior and my Savior, he was nailed to a cross. You know what he did? He redeemed and reconciled that Imago Dei relationship with our Heavenly Father. And he said, you can rest. You don't have to strive for his approval. You can rest. See, the whole world could stop. The entire world could stop today and you could still not have Sabbath rest. The whole world could keep going today and tomorrow and the rest of the days, and you can be at rest because of the presence of your Savior. Let me close with some prayers. The worship team comes back up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've heard this word over and over and over, the Sabbath and rest and rest and rest. And honestly, we, we think to ourselves, I know, I know, I know, I should, I ought to. But Lord, would you just draw us into your presence in such a way that we recognize that to designate a day, I mean, it's, it's, it's a start, but you have so much more because of the abundant life that you've given us as a result of your work at the cross and your resurrection and the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so, Lord, unearth to us and illuminate to us. What are we dealing with? What is, what is keeping the heart from becoming more tender that we may fully rest in you. Whether we're going about our day and we've got activities planned or whether we're sitting, Lord, I just pray that we'd recognize your presence in each and every moment. And for for the many who designate Sunday as a Sabbath day of rest, Lord, give us eyes to see the most abundant, fulfilling, freeing activities we could. Whatever it is that gets us into and, and aware of, fully aware of, your presence. Lord, we lift all this to you. 
I pray that you would illuminate Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through, through chapter 3, verse 6 this week for every single one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.